Hello and welcome back to the Steadcast. It has been a while, but we're very, very happy to have you back. And I'm very happy to introduce for the first time in a long, long time on a non-crackly phone line, my co-host and the big dog at Steadfast Runners, Mr. Kieran Clements. Crowd cheering. We're going to get some of those virtual crowd noises that they're having in the Premier League now. (laughs) I don't know how they're going to sound because this is... Premier League literally kicks off tonight. I couldn't be more excited. Sam couldn't care less. But I, I think you've got to introduce it. yourself whilst introducing me as well. So joined as ever by my co-host, Sam Wade, the original, the first athlete I ever coached, sub five miler. And at some point in his life, will get to run the London Marathon. But I, I will. I, I hope <laughs> I will. Nobody knows when it's going to actually happen. Could be October, could be next year. Nobody knows. Let's have a little catch up because obviously it's been a while since you and I were face to face. And I want to point out for anyone who wants to question it, we are currently recording this podcast outside. So if you have... Outside, in the park, two metres apart. We're hoping not to get rained on. Yeah, there's a few looming grey clouds above us, but there's also lots of birds and dogs walking around the thing. So it's quite a pleasant environment. So we're doing our best to stay distant whilst bringing anyone who wants to listen some decent content. Exactly. Well, we said it's a very relaxing atmosphere to record a pod. It's uh, nice. Yeah. yeah, it's certainly, it's nicer than just sat in a bedroom on, on the phone. So. Yeah, literally. Yeah, literally. Well, should we have a bit of a catch up? Because obviously it's been a while since you and I were face to face. And let's just, uh, let's maybe have a chat about the marathon to start with, because... I think that's a good place to start, yeah. I mean, it's not happening in October, is it? Realistically, I mean, it's so hard to see it happening. The, I think Berlin was already cancelled. Events are just dropping like flies. It's hard for me to see much, especially in the UK really happening this year at all i mean there's still talk of there's still talk of they want to have a bit of a track season um it was recently announced somewhere the other day that the track season in the uk is going to be extended through until the end of october right which to be fair i mean october has its days that could actually be really good for track racing so if that does go ahead we could see some quite fast times being laid down on the track but for me i don't know it's it's hard to see anything on the roads going ahead cross country as well i think it's hard to see much of that really going on before the new year but things like things like track meets i feel like you could arrange some of those in a behind closed doors sort of setting like i well, know i know they're not famed for having like massive crowds at maybe the sort of kind of national in this day level. and age no um, but i was gonna say did you see the impossible games the other day i did what with um the inga brixtons versus the kenyans yeah um, yeah there we go amongst other things um carson warholm set the world record for the 300 hurdles that was oh, pretty wow. impressive yeah, yeah I, didn't um, see that. I think they had a they had a virtual high jump no not high jump a virtual pole vault competition as well uh, right. between mondo duplantis and le villainy the french guy that was pretty oh, cool he's a he's le like, he's like France's national hero at the moment, isn't he? He's crazy. That <laughs> yeah, guy. well, he was jump- he was pole vaulting just literally in his back garden. He set up a pole vault and a runway and everything. God knows how he got track material, if it's just always there in his back garden. But he had a really short run-up, and I think he cleared something like 580 or something like that just in his back so, garden. I'm which- fairly sure that I remember hearing somewhere that he's like a motor- he's like a competitive motorcycle racer as well. Like, he's got some crazy wacky hobbies. That would be pretty cool if you want. I'm, sh- I'm sure I heard that somewhere. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. Anyone else who knows for sure can correct me, but I think he's a pretty loopy dude. Also, perks of recording this in the park, a dog has just took a pee right in front of me. Lovely. <laughs> right behind Sam. Well, as long as it isn't but... all over my equipment, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> no, we're all right. We're all right. Um, but, um, what was yeah, I saying? Yeah, I... no, the Impossible Games was awesome. Uh, Jakob Ingebrigtsen, I think set... it was definitely a Norwegian record. I think it was also a European, European record, record yeah. yeah, in the 2K, which... 
450 for the 2k is outrageous like yeah. i was th- looking at it thinking like yeah like sub five would be a good time because the 2k isn't a distance that's run a lot i didn't really have much of a scope for what a good time would be for anything between the 3k world record which is 720 and the mile world record which is 343 yeah so yeah to see somebody run that that kind of time to go 355 through the mile and then close in a 55 that was nuts well this that is what cool. i was because i i when i at first when i heard it i sort of compared it to my mile time because it's like the best thing that i had and at first because the numbers <laughs> that's don't, a good point because <laughs> we boast about sam being a sub five miler but you would have gotten lapped by inca yeah. britson in this race like, it would thing, have been close but. yeah the thing is is that like i I can you compare the times and you're like yeah yeah there's not that much of a disparity like wait he ran a whole extra lap (laughs) yeah which I think most people that are listening to this have probably run a 400 meter lap before in their life like it's not a short distance no no it's especially not after you've already pelted round what a 355 mile or something like yeah 355 he split through I think that was through 1600 rather than through the mile but still rapid you'll take it won't you Uh, yeah I'd take that but um but yeah it's, it's it's good to see that sport in general is finding a way to adapt and come back slowly in the same way that general social meetings are adapting and coming back slowly but say it with me october the 4th 40,000 fun runners combined with half a million spectators in london it's a bit hard to see isn't it i don't i don't see not that london has been following lockdown rules quite as strictly as the rest of the nation but there's only so much you can do really isn't there so yeah and i mean but the thing is is amongst all of that is you're not just asking you're not just asking, obviously, for the runners and for the spectators to come. You're also asking the hotel infrastructure to be there, and then you'll have visitors yeah. coming in. And the actual... you have people flying in from overseas. I don't know yeah. the number, but I'd imagine quite a few people. Judging from how many people, how many English people go abroad to run other major marathons like New York, like Boston, like Berlin, any any kind of continental marathon. Yeah. You, you know someone who runs marathons generally they like to run different ones don't they like they yeah. like to collect them yeah but yeah i don't know maybe they'll be an elites only race this is this is kind of what i'm thinking um i think from the emails i've been getting that the london marathon team are due to make an announcement on the 21st so it's, the I think seven- it's coming up soon yeah it's the 17th as we record today so within a few days hopefully we'll have something definitive um i was chatting away to one of the ladies that's um, at each who has obviously sort of helped me with my position and my charity mm-hmm. each to rem- yeah each to remind listeners is the charity that sam is running the london marathon for whenever he gets to run the london marathon <laughs> Precisely, and each have been very good with me. They've said, look, we understand what's going on. It's crazy. You'll keep your place even if it gets rolled to April 2021. So they've been great. But anyway, as I said to her, I said exactly the same. I just don't see it happening in October. No. And she sort of came back. And you could tell, even though it was only via email, you could tell that it was kind of... I know that if I was face-to-face with her, there'd be that sort of almost pained grin of going like, yeah, you're right. That's probably not You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, it's just, just saying it through gritted teeth. Like, yeah. Yeah. That massive, that massive event that we've been talking about nonstop for the last God knows how long. Yeah, that still isn't happening. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately not. Which is crazy considering you started training for this in what, December of 2019? December December 26th, Boxing Day, is when I went out for my first ride. That's that's the run I'm going to call. Yeah, the first one of marathon training block, I suppose yeah. we'll call it. And yeah. then it was frustrating because obviously I <laughs> Obviously, it's not like if they'd have called it off like three weeks into it, you go, ah, no problem. But it's the fact that it was like right when you're doing like the 16 milers, the 18 milers, the tough work, and then it got <laughs> cancelled. Yeah, well, there's a positive spin that we can put on it as well, is now you know you can do that. Exactly. You know, you, you can force your body around 16, 18 miles. It's just 
we missed that phase of training where we were going to push you up to the 20 milers and yeah. the, the hard paced runs and yeah, long tempos and all of that fun stuff that I'm sure you would have really enjoyed. Yeah. How have you been getting on, obviously, because we've sort of talked a little bit about what my experience are with the marathon, but how have you been getting on with your training? What's been going on with you? Well, I've managed to pick the best time possible, I think, to get injured. Um <laughs> I don't exact. We're not exactly sure what it is. I'm coming kind of out the other end of it. I'm actually going to go for a run round the field that we're in. We're sitting and recording this after we're done. Um, but basically, just my flexor longus hallucis, which is or flexor hallucis longus. It's basically a tendon that runs from underneath your big toe, runs under your foot, and then up your calf and kind of inserts somewhere. I think behind the knee, I right think at the top of the fibula. Um, and basically, I just managed to piss that off really badly. Um, the theory, basically, we've theorized that it's probably from trying to do track-style workouts on the grass. Right. Uh, so basically, I, it happened, or, well, the big explosion of it being really bad and stopping me from running kind of happened about three or four days after I had done, on these very fields, again, <laughs> I'd done a session of six times 800 at about 3K type of pace. So. Yeah. So a hard sh- session shifting, that, yeah. yeah basically like i was running 206 207s for those 800s which is obviously pretty tough to do on grass um so i think probably just overextended it a little bit but i couldn't have really picked a better time to get injured because i've got all the time in the world to fix the basically fix the problem and then come back stronger than ever yeah. and i think this is probably something that's been in the background not painful but has kind of been something that's been playing me up for a while because I've had quite a few just things that haven't quite made sense in training and in racing. Um, there's just been some sessions and some races that I've underperformed in for reasons that don't really make sense looking at the rest of my training and the rest of my physiology. So we think that this might have just been causing a bit of an inefficiency issue um, right. and just yeah, causing some things to shut down, some things to become a little bit inactive and... I think this may end up actually being a good thing. I might be able to come back stronger. The other thing that jumps to my mind instantly is with no races or no events kind of on the immediate horizon, there's no temptation to come back too early as well. Exactly. That must actually play really well into your hands because there'd be nothing worse if you had an event on the horizon you sort of yeah you have a couple of good runs the day before or you know or a week before and you sort of go actually I think I can chance this one you go out on the day and you get going and you're in a competitive situation you get two laps around the track and you go oh god (laughs) exactly well ironically if this was a normal year this would be just about the worst time to get injured because I'd miss all of track season yeah like it would have just yeah like I wouldn't have been able to race on the track but at the same time had I been training on the track running a running that kind of pace on the grass versus on the track is very different types of physiology that it takes to run that type of pace and essentially the theory is that i was just curling my toes for grip if that makes sense yeah yeah. you know what i mean just being on the grass whereas on the track you don't have that obviously you don't need the extra grip and i guess the lumpy bumpy texture of grass is naturally going to bend your foot in certain ways that they probably wouldn't have to do on exactly yeah yeah exactly but yeah i mean looking forward i've got all the time in the world really to get back into racing shape it's frustrating that i wasn't i mean we were about a week or so away from pulling the trigger on doing some time trials and seeing really how fast can i run and honestly i wouldn't have been surprised if i had run personal bests over you know like a 5k or a 3k or something like that but 
eh, it is what it is. And to be fair, speaking about, we were speaking about this before, virtual racing. Should we have a little tangent on that before we get into the topic of the day? Yeah, well, I mean, it's certainly been something that we've all had to adapt to. And certainly a lot of the listeners of this pod and people that we know have talked to us about it. So so crack on. My instant yep. understanding of it, and like I said to you, is I don't really understand how you can do it fairly. <laughs> so that's that's my key question to you is, is how have you understood the format and do you think it's fair? Well, in short, no. But um, so what I was basically going to say there is around here, I would argue that there's not really anywhere that is the right combination of fast and safe to do a time trial. Right. I did a 5k time trial uh, for a virtual race for the six stage re- or 12 stage road relays. Um, and that was way back in April, maybe even May. I can't actually remember. It, it was a crazy long time. It, it, it was a while it? ago. It, it may even mad. have been the end of March. Um, but yeah, like I, I ran as hard as I could. I was 14.20 or so, about 30 seconds slower than my PB um, around Northgate type of area, which it's flat, fair enough. There's a bike path along some of it. But I mean, some parts of that were pretty, like I was risking it by running on the roads, running, you know, you're running head on into traffic. It's not quite the same as in a road race, where in a road race, you don't have to think about, is there somebody walking on the path that I need to step on the road and socially distance myself from? Yeah. Is there a car going to come around this corner when I'm trying to turn the corner at crash speed? In, crash into a dog or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then obviously you have other runners for competition as well. But if we're talking about keeping a level playing field, keeping it the same for everybody, I think it's impossible to have kind of a fair, yeah, like a fair way of doing it. It's the best, it's the next best thing. And I think overall it is a net positive. But I think there's also quite a lot of people that are just, they've been taking the piss and it's actually quite funny to to observe now that I have no real A, ability or B, interest to do any virtual racing. Right. Seeing somebody that goes out and there's ways that you can trick the GPS. So if you go on a, small, a shorter course and run more laps, yeah. your GPS is going to flag it up as being longer. Okay. Um, so anyone who's ever run a track session with a GPS watch will know this. Like you'll run four laps of the track and it'll beep for a mile at like 1550 meters or something right. whereas a mile is 1609 obviously um so there's people that have been doing that and obviously their times are being massively inflated because they've just gone on a lap on a lapped course and they've done you know 10 12 laps to a 5k uh there's people that have done point to point courses with the wind behind them which right, yeah i th- honestly some races have said it has to be some and now virtual races have started bringing in other rules and stuff which i think is good um so some races have to be point to point. Oh, sorry. Some races have said you're allowed to do point to point. Others have said you have to do an out and back route. Right. Others have brought in things like saying you can only do three laps, like a maximum of three laps. Okay. So that avoids the trick in the GPS. Yeah. You've got some races have uh, said things like there's only a certain amount of elevation difference that you can have. Yeah, I was so, going to say downhill must be a huge part of that. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you did point to point downhill with the wind behind you over 5k, that could rocket ship. Yeah, that could make up for probably. I would say about a minute. I yeah, reckon you could run genuinely. like a minute faster. And I'll tell you one that no one's talking about, which I only actually even thought of earlier. Oh, is this your secret? You've got to whisper this, this one. one. Yeah, this, this, how, this is how I'm going to run 12:30 in the 5k. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you know how like the part the like world 5k dog record of somebody being like towed <laughs> by a dog is like 1240 or something ridiculous yeah 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 i wouldn't be surprised if people have been doing that to inflate their 5k times because i'm telling you this has shown more than anything people will do anything to win <laughs> like there is so much like i don't know what you'd call it like 
virtual doping, I suppose is the word How for funny. it. How funny. So yeah. much virtual doping that I've seen. Do you know what there even was? There's a competition. There was a competition that was on, and they'd actually put a bit of money up for grabs. And okay. somebody had done their time trial, so they'd got the GPS map, and they'd found a website where you can manipulate all of the data. Oh, God. And they'd basically just given themselves a way faster time than they had run. It was a PB by, like, a minute or something. <laughs> and they were in the lead. They were going to win the event until somebody else flagged it up, and they've now been disqualified from the event, and they've had to add another week on so that everyone else can do their time trials fairly. That's So incredible. everyone else that was in the competition, I think it was, like, five finalists, men and women, on each side, and it was a bloke that cheated. Because it seems like the blokes in this for whatever are reason are way less moral than the women yeah so <laughs> shout out women's sport you guys are you guys are honest um, <laughs> meanwhile there's somebody who's just attached a, <laughs> attached their gps watch to a horse and slapped <laughs> it and got off you go exactly <laughs> but i mean the dog thing hear me out here cheaters who are listening to this that want to go and run like 12 minutes for the 5k listen out for this because it's good if you're if you're strapped onto a dog right you can run a fairly normal course so it eliminates the course thing. You run out and back if you want, like a nice out and back course. Yeah. Your cadence is going to stay the same because yeah. you're still going to be running. It's still going to be the watch on you. Yeah, yeah. You're still going to be in a reasonable pace. Yeah. Yep. There's not going to be any GPS errors. You're not going to need to go and like manually manipulate all of the data, but you're going to get the pull from the dog, and no yeah. one's ever going to know because it's virtual. Yeah. And I tell you what, if you if you you know you strapped a pair of like certain Nike shoes or something, you know, some Ooh. carbon fiber plates Ooh. in there as well. Cool. <laughs> you have a carbon fiber. If you put a pair of vapor flies on your dog, you put two pairs of vapor flies on your dog, <laughs> and then one pair of vapor flies on you, you're going to fly. Absolutely. Well, you'd have to get dog-sized ones first, but... It's doable. The only size, when I looked at the Alpha Flies the other day, they had some women's ones, which was available in that size 2. So maybe <laughs> I can try and fold my size 11 foot into a size 2, and I'll run really quickly. Yeah, you have to start binding them up, break all of the bones in your feet. <laughs> God, we're not going to go into ancient Chinese traditions, I hope. Should we, talk, should we talk about what we actually meant to for this podcast? Should we move it on? It's probably about time, yeah. I don't know how long we've rambled on on this intro for, but... Yeah, so the point, well, not the point, but the main meat and potatoes of what we want to talk about today, and this is inspired by our group chat. We have a little group chat of everyone that I coach and a couple of other kind of friends of the club are involved in it as well. Um, and it kind of went off the other day, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, big time. Surprisingly so. I was I was surprised at how much, I mean, I, and I admittedly, I don't chime in on the conversation as much as I should, but I do read a lot of it. And I was surprised at how many people were, felt really engaged on this topic. Yeah, well, I think it was a combination of lockdown boredom and just it's something that has a lot of ambiguity surrounding it. And that is the topic of easy running. And what we mean by easy running, just to define it quickly before we go into too much depth about it, is what we're talking about today is all other running outside of your specific sessions specific sessions being things like tempo runs intervals track sessions hills all that fun stuff that everybody loves threshold efforts all of that stuff interesting yeah and my only real like experience of easy running because it sounds crazy but i've had to learn it and i've learned it that, really when i think I, was in the... I think a lot of people will kind of relate to that because i think it is I'd, i certainly relate to it myself as well because when i first started running I didn't. I accidentally did easy running properly, and we'll go into this in more depth in a bit. Accidentally did it properly, and then stopped doing it properly for a long time and was running too hard, and then had to relearn it again by actually understanding the benefits of it. But yeah, let's go through. What's your kind of experience with 
with easy running well as i think i've explained on this pod before my relationship with running has always been it's been something i've done maybe once or twice a week as something just for health and just you know sanity and all that kind of thing um but as i got into my marathon training specifically i sort of began to understand that you do actually need to have days where you take it easy because if you've had like a really hard session the next day or also the previous day and then you need to get your next run in it's actually really hard to go out and run and give yourself everything at the end and I, I, I come from a place of when I used to do those like four or five mile runs a couple of times a week is I'd want to go out and I'd want to come back feeling like I'd had a workout you know I'd want to come yeah. back sweaty come back out of breath and really be like, like I can feel like I've had a workout <laughs> but when you're running say five six times a week that fearing that feeling is inevitably going to come somewhere in that timeline so yeah. it's so then I sort of found especially because I was doing a lot of my runs like before work so I'd get up and do them at like six in the morning or something like that it's really nice to go out do a comfortable run where I come back and I can feel that sort of like I can feel my heart rates up a little bit I can feel I've broken a bit of a sweat but I don't feel completely knackered. And then when I get in the shower and get ready for my day, I don't feel like I'm burning hot because I've just... You're actually more energised for the day rather than yeah. beaten up and you're dragging your ass around work all day. Literally. Yeah. No, the the phrase that sums it up best for me that's always stuck with me comes from Lydia. He described it as being pleasantly tired after an easy run. I really like that because, I mean, most people, if you've never run before in your life, you'd th- you'd listen to that and you'd be like, what, pleasantly tired? That doesn't make any sense. Like... Being tired is really unpleasant. It sucks. But yeah, finishing easy run, you're kind of pleasantly tired. You've got that sense of fulfillment. But what you've actually done, especially if it's early in the morning, is you've just kind of refreshed your body, given yourself a little wake up call. And yeah, you're primed and you're ready for the rest of the day. Definitely. And, and something that I can attribute is certainly from like my two kind of major bits of running that I've done in terms of like build up to, a, to an event, like Project 5, where I did like 10 weeks of training and then the marathon, which I could god knows how many weeks but obviously sort of that was the most structure that i've had in a training regime mm. uh on the days especially during project five when it was in the summer as well getting up at like sometimes i was even getting up before five o'clock in the morning and getting ready to go out and do everything yep but doing those days like i'd feel a lot fresher coming into work knowing that i'd already been up for an hour and i'd done something and then you know there was no like rush to get to work or anything like it felt good yeah um and yeah i completely agree is it's a it's a nice way to to get you going in the morning it really is no definitely and let's talk quickly about the the difference between your easy runs during project five and during your marathon training because i think it's fair to say those are your two standout blocks of actually serious training for an event like with a goal in mind which is what probably most people that are listening to this probably are training for something or members of an athletics club or I think we have one or two like fairly elite runners that listen to this as well. So, yeah, what kind of for you was the difference between those two blocks of training? Because I think it's fair to say you felt the easy runs kind of benefited you a lot more during marathon training rather than during middle distance training. Big time. And I think if I were to use examples of something that I've already said, it's that learning it, like having to learn how to run slowly sounds really crazy. But like in Project 5, the problem that I think I had was that because I knew it was like a speed focused thing Mm. is there was always that part of me that thinks like if you can turn it up don't be afraid to turn it up a little bit and because maybe I had more time constraints because I was working earlier and that sort of thing like I always had that thing well if I get back home earlier it suits my day a little bit more so I'd go out and I'd feel good and then I'd crank it up as a result and then not to say that I'd always come back feeling knackered but maybe I spent a little bit too much energy 
Yeah. Well, I think as well during that, you were kind of the only sessions that you were really doing because we were training for a mile and we had such a short amount of time to do it is we were just cranking speed work, not yeah. necessarily, maybe not speed work in the true sense of it, but kind of speed endurance, VO2, kind of, we were pushing you really hard on the track. Yeah, definitely. But we weren't doing a great deal of volume, whereas the marathon training, you're doing quite a lot of mileage. I think we probably got you up to 40, maybe 50 miles a week, which to some listening to this, again, might not be a lot, but for you, that's kind of, yeah, like double what you were doing for, oh, and for the, e- for the e- mile training. Even more so. So, so yeah, so in my experience there, it was, it was that case of, and I'll tell you the big help for me is, I know it sounds, I think I've bleated on about this before in past pods, but buying myself like a Garmin or GPS watch and actually being able to look at my pace and knowing how fast I'm running made a big difference. Yeah. Because you know what it's like. Some days you go out and you think you're running X and it turns out you're actually running Y. So for me to know like there are days, okay, you don't go quicker than this today. Yeah, which it to be fair, I mean, we'll talk about, I'm literally just making a note of it now in my little note section that I've got of this is I think it is important to run to feel. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, there is quite a lot of benefit to having kind of a speed limit to your easy run. So but, sometimes I'll go out and I'll say, okay, I don't care how good I feel today. I don't want to break a seven minute mile because I need to recover from this or for this, which we'll get into more detail yeah. on that later as well. But should I tell you what, since I sort of maybe had the watch and I sort of started to learn it, I learn what they felt like a lot more accurately, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, I yeah, found some some days seven minute pace will feel like a sprint, others it will feel like a jog. But yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. You get a rough feel for how you're moving. And my thing was it then it felt I, I understood how to stay consistent, and it was that I guess the other thing as well is it's the difference between like running and jogging. Like I sort of understood the difference between like going out for a jog and feeling good about it. And the other thing that I find as well is that for me I had several runs where I'd go out and I'd be at like eight minute pace. Yeah, if I did the first two or three miles at eight minute pace i'd find it actually really difficult to then speed up after that because my body just got in that perfect rhythm yeah sometimes you just uh, get locked in at a certain pace and you think how did i ever run that fast but then you go out and run a te- i know you had one tempo which really stands out to me in your marathon training where i think you ran about eight miles at 645 or so kind of I think pace it, i think it was the waterfront. Even, i think it was even slightly quicker might, than that, yeah, yeah might have even been close to 640 or under but yeah you said you felt like you were just absolutely floating along but then you obviously have those other runs where you're going 840 pace and you feel like i don't know for want of a better expression 10 pounds of in a five pound bag <laughs> yeah you know you just sort of yeah you just sort of felt like there's i like, i can't believe that i actually run faster than this like yeah, yeah. those days so so f- I, I guess my point is and to, to bring it around before we move on is that is it feels awkward at first because if you're used to going out and running hard it feels weird to dial back less than you know you can do and especially when you have an experienced runner and you know that you don't go out and give it everything straight away you understand your body and you understand your pace telling yourself to go slower than you normally would at the start of a run where you don't necessarily bolt out the door at top speed mm. that feels really bizarre at first but once you've sort of learned it and maybe sometimes like me I, I needed a watch to kind of and i needed strava to kind of back it up a little bit to go like no you did keep it steady and and that's how you performed but then once i'd done that once i sort of learned how to do it and now i'd be a lot more confident if you took the watch off me now and said right go and run a six minute mile and then you said go and run an eight minute mile i know it sounds really silly mm. but i feel like now that i've had the experience with them 
you'd be a lot closer to kind of on the money than and I feel like if you asked me to do it 10 times on the spin is I'd be a lot more consistent across the two like you, you could run six but if you could run 10 by a mile in six minutes I'd be very happy with the shape you're in right now. <laughs> well yeah no I'm <laughs> not saying re- yeah you'd I'm be not, ready to smash that marathon yeah no I'm not saying that I'd do it uh, back to back to back but I mean if you took 10 examples in yeah, that situation I mean, like, yeah I'd, 10 different samples beca- yeah. because because of easy running and because of the experience I now have doing it I find it a lot easier to understand my own body as it were yeah no that makes a lot of sense um so i suppose that brings us quite nicely into our first like big subheading of of the easy running pod and that is just why bother why do easy running what's the purpose of it and basically for me i think the most in the most important thing about easy running that you have to remember every time you go out the door is the purpose of the run first of all the run has to be assigned a purpose and more often than not that purpose is recovery yeah you just want to you need to recover between your hard sessions because for me again the hard sessions is where you make the gains in fitness that's where you pick up fitness is from things like your tempos things like when you were doing your marathon training things like a long fart leg for example that that stuff takes a lot out of you and if you're doing that properly really it should actually be quite hard to go too hard on an easy run like i usually find in my training like if i'm out the door if i'm sub seven for the first mile i probably haven't worked very hard that week or in right. the days leading up to that because yeah, you you're mean. just you're almost limping out the door like you it's <laughs> it is a process of recovery and that's why you do it like that's one of the things that i've got kind of written down here is okay if it's for recovery then why not just rest because that activity does actually promote recovery and there's a lot of science that you could kind of go into about like basically how you're just using the lymphatic system to flush crap out of your legs essentially i'll tell you one thing though but if, if you were to liken it to one workout is you'd always say that doing a cool down helps and mm. if if i think of some of my own examples of days where i felt really rough or really tired and not want to go to the gym or whatever it is on the days where i've just slumped around and done nothing i continue to feel rough throughout the whole day whereas on the days where like i'll go out for a walk or i'll do something just to get the just get, get the, the blood, blood moving and yep. just kind of loosen myself up a little bit i almost see it as like a cool down the next day as you're just kind of keeping yourself loose and it does really help so i can easily easily understand how that would apply over say like a three-day window yeah do you know what actually that's not a bad let's say so most people most club runners will do a three session week they'll do sessions on tuesday thursday and saturday and they'll do a long run on sunday so what we're mostly talking about here is monday wednesday friday runs those in between runs so if that's your one day in between hard efforts you want to be recovering on that day obviously yeah but what you said there about thinking of it as basically if you think of the first half as an extended cool down from the day before's efforts and then the second half as an extended warm-up for the next day's efforts. That's, that's not a bad... I literally... I had never thought of that until five seconds that. ago when you said it. <laughs> but I, li- I like that a lot. That's and that's, so, that's, I may even use that on easy runs now when I need to kind of relax and slow down. If you've got something hard coming up the next day, you don't want to be carrying in any kind of... Resi- unless you've been told to go a certain pace on that easy day, you want to carry in as little residual fatigue as possible. Yeah. I tell you what, there you go. We've actually we've perfectly split. You can use that in your training philosophy going forward. Now it's like <laughs> you've got like to pick an example out of the hat. Let's say you did like six miles of easy running. You've got it as like you say three you miles. Do three mile as... warm up, three mile warm down. Yeah, there's just no session in the middle. <laughs> but yeah, there you I go. Like that. You but... will probably I, if I said that though, I'd probably get people stopping and doing drills and strides after three <laughs> miles. So they'd be like, right, 
no session worn down. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a really, it's a, I really like that as you explained it. It's a really interesting way to think of it, and and I think that's certainly what I found myself thinking is like on those days where it was easy. And I tell you what, it was even differences. Like if I know I'm going to go and have a hard session, like I wouldn't wear like a jacket or anything like that. I'd just go out and in like a vest or something or a thin shirt yeah whereas on like the easy run days i wouldn't be at all afraid like put a jacket on just slow down a little bit you know not put on like your your shortest running shorts and really you know <laughs> really go for it like you can yeah, kind no, of well if anything stay actually, warm and that's actually a great point because we used to have kind of a thing at um at college for our easy runs whenever we'd run from home we'd all just wear like our worst kit that we had because <laughs> we'd leave all of our good stuff in the locker room because we'd go to sessions from the locker room but yeah, it was mostly for double runs that you'd run from home. We'd all meet up and you'd be wearing like shorts with holes in them, like a cotton t-shirt or like, I think people literally went for runs in like Christmas sweaters in the winter time. Amazing. And yeah, like just something to slow you down. Like the more clothes you wear, the more like the more likely you are to sweat. So that's a trick that I do as well myself. Like if it's, if it's kind of not warm but like if it's a little bit warmer like i'll put just put some more clothes on that'll slow you down because you don't want to get super sweaty and then your sweat response can be like a, a kind of a trigger almost, yeah, yeah like a measure like if i'm sweating my ass off and i look down at my watch and i'm running 6 30 pace i know okay that's too quick <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly i'm supposed to be doing a double here or like an easy recovery run but okay so let's kind of transition into what are the different types of easy running because easy running is actually a pretty massive umbrella that covers quite a lot of different types of running and each of these different types of running has a different purpose and a different kind of pace associated with it so we mentioned warm-up and warm-downs those to me i think should be especially warm-downs your slowest running that you do yeah i think just because like the whole purpose of those it is literally just to increase blood flow yeah what they're doing is they're preparing you for the really hard or recovering you from the really hard effort that you're either about to do or have just done so that's the body of the work the warm-up and the warm-down is just something you just have to do yeah you just have to get it done like you could probably walk if you wanted to for your warm-up and warm-down well something i was going to say is something that i've found myself doing on a few occasions recently is i'll finish a run and i'll actually finish my run say half a mile from home and i'll just walk in the last like you know 800 meters is that because you live up like a hill part of part of that could <laughs> part of that could it's, be it it's, I've, I've, it might have something to do with the fact uh, that sam lives up the top of about a 400 meter hill i have run up that hill enough though that my body's got used to it in the same yeah, way so that you, same sucks. way that you live up a hill so <laughs> so yes that's part of it but no but just in general i've found that as a really comfortable way because like, otherwise my temptation is to burst through the door I'm sweating, I go and sit down, flump, and then I haven't done a proper cool down, whereas at least if I walk mm. it walk it off a little bit, then Yeah, you know, well better. especially with the way that you kind of describe that you're doing runs at the moment. Like the other day you kind of went out the door for an easy run and accidentally did a four mile tempo, which I mean it's fine for what you're doing at the moment. Like you don't have any goals in mind, you're literally just running for more the enjoyment. Yeah. yeah, the enjoyment, like the the mental stability and the staying in shape kind of aspect for when you do actually have to pull the trigger and start doing some marathon training which again we have no idea when that's going to be but yeah no i like that and yeah we'll just re-emphasize warm-ups and warm-downs slowest running you need to be doing there you go so the next kind of branch of easy running and this is easy running in big quotation marks here because some t- th- these are the most manipulative the most manipulative type of runs and that's long runs 
Right. I'm putting long runs really tentatively under the umbrella of easy running here. And I, th- that, yeah, I, 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 I would jump in straight away, though, and go, well, surely it's obvious that if you're doing your longest runs, you're not going to be able to sustain your fastest runs over long runs. So it just makes sense to slow down. That's kind like, of. That's kind of, that's my instant, like, view on it if i was gonna if i was gonna say to somebody and set them a distance that they'd never run before i wouldn't go what you're averaging on like a tempo you need to hold that i'd say you know just aim to like like a time on feet kind of thing almost so i'd say just get it done you know yeah um and that's why i kind of mentioned that they are really really susceptible to manipulation because long runs can be just a time on feet type of thing like you've got x distance to cover just cover that distance and expend as little energy as you can like just run easy run pace run the same pace as you would for your normal midweek i don't know six eight miler over a 14 15 mile easy run but at the same time like sometimes you want your easy runs to be a little bit quicker sometimes you want them progressive sometimes if you're marathon training there'll be things thrown in in the middle of easy runs i think i had you do sessions of it was 80 miles but in the middle of that you'd do two miles on one mile off and those two miles on would be down at marathon pace which generally yeah it does hurt exactly (laughs) but yeah i mean marathon pace is generally somewhere in your tempo type of range so saying yeah you're not going to extend a tempo out towards a long run because for most people that's out of the realms of possibility especially if you understand tempo to be the maximum pace that you can hold for one hour which for kind of my understanding at least at my level is about half marathon type of pace yeah um you obviously wouldn't do that over a long run but it wouldn't be uncommon let's if i use myself as an example it wouldn't be uncommon for me to do an easy run at seven minute pace 730s anything like that and i'll rarely go quicker than about six minute pace on an easy run but a long run it wouldn't be uncommon for me to average about 540 on a 15 16 17 miler right i mean that's disgusting but <laughs> say what you it is to say, yeah. but and i suppose if we if we kind of brought that over to you like it wouldn't be uncommon for you to run eight minute pace or a little bit slower on an easy run. Yeah. But if you were doing a long run and that was kind of one of the harder sessions of the week. And that's the thing is when you're doing a fast long run, it should be specified as a hard session. Yeah. It shouldn't be as well as a hard session. It should be instead of a hard session, in okay, my opinion. Yeah. No, that's, that's so a good, good if I'm going to do 17 miles at 540, I've probably only done sessions on Tuesday, Friday rather than Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah, sure. Um, and that long run is just a way of getting a good aerobic stimulus, but it's not quite as taxing as a 10-mile tempo, for example. Okay. Um, and that I've, I've applied that to other athletes that I've coached in the past as well. I think plenty of people, I've, I think I've prescribed just about everybody some type of session, if it's a fart leg or if it's actual structured mile on, mile off or in and out Ks or something else just during a long run. I think it's beneficial. I, I just think it's good. I like it. But... Most of the time, long runs will be easy paced, but just extended over a long time. And that doesn't mean I think that you should be running slower than your midweek easy runs, because I think those midweek easy runs should be slow enough that if you were asked to, you should be able to do a long run. Yeah. Say if I set whatever the distance I set you, if I'm coaching someone, if if it's kind of a midweek long run or a midweek long, uh, a midweek just general easy run, I would like to think if I said to you, Actually, I'd quite like you to go out and just do that again. You'd have not much problem just doing it again. Yeah. At the same pace, same same course, same effort, everything. 
and that's why your easy runs and your midweek runs can be about the same pace uh, yeah. sorry your midweek runs and your long runs can be about the same pace because long runs are supposed to be a bit harder that's why it has its own special name that's why it's not an easy <laughs> run yeah it's inter- i mean i think a big part of that certainly in my experience and i think maybe to other people that are kind of at my level of of running and kind of have my same the same sort of ex- amount of experience as me is i think a, a huge part of that applies or it's much easier to apply it to yourself once you've done enough run, running to understand your body. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that, that all rings very, very true, just so long as you have enough experience of understanding what your body is capable of in running. And then once you've kind of got that understanding nailed, you'll find everything that you've just said way, way easier to apply to yourself. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, we've done warm-up and warm-downs. We've done long runs recovery runs i think we've i mean we've touched on this the purpose of a recovery run is to recover this should be pretty much about the same pace as you would warm up and warm down at like really really easy low heart rate but the most common thing that i hear that really gets to me is people saying that you don't get any benefit from these runs that you don't get any actual training effect i think is the word that they use from these runs you do like it's so hard to run too slow on a recovery yeah. day especially if the day is purposefully for recovery if you've just done a big session like say if you've done eight by a mile like you're going to need a super easy day the day after that or if you're doubling that evening you're going to need to go really really easy yeah and i see professional runners i see guys that have run you know under 28 minutes for the 10k and they're jogging around at eight minute pace for their recovery runs yeah. so you know what does that mean to apply to somebody at my level or your level or anything in between like why not just go out and run like yeah nine minute pace ten minute pace even like i know that's basically walking but but the thing is is that um if if it if if you can do it why not at least give it a give it a go and something that i've found as well is on certain days say where i've maybe gone and run out to like i've gone for runs with friends who maybe don't run as quickly as me usually Mm. I never feel worse for coming back and having run slowly. I no. still feel like I've got a run in, and that's and that's something that's important. And especially, like I say, I know maybe you should never kind of like work to mileage as an idea, but some people do. They like, like to set themselves little goals on Strava and things like that. If you're thinking like, oh, I really wanted to run, say, 40 miles this, this month or something like that, or this week or whatever they were going to do, mm. whatever that goal is, is if you find a way to just squeeze it in, why not do it nice and steady? Because you won't, you won't feel any worse for it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if you're if you're targeting mileage, if that's the thing that you want, but you also want to run to a performance standpoint, yeah, like, yeah, those those extra miles that you're doing, they they ought to be slow. Otherwise, it is going to have an, an impact on your other running, especially if you're bumping mileage up. Yeah. Um. So that's recovery running. We've talked about that quite a lot. Easy running is the next kind of stage. And I know I'm talking about easy running within the broad scope of easy running. Yeah. But it's basically just what fits in between recovery and steady running. That's what most of your kind of in-between runs are going to be done at. Recovery, I think, only really needs... That's like proper plodding. That only really needs to be done as either a double run or when you've had a really hard session or really hard race that's coming up. Right. Or if you're trying to, if you've got a race coming up, or if you've just done a really hard race, I think recovery is used too sparingly by some, and then not enough by others. But easy running is going to be the vast majority of it, and we're going to talk about kind of how to pace that and what that is in the next little segment that we've got. So we'll kind of hold off on there. Steady running is a little bit quicker, and steady running 
too much is probably the biggest mistake I see from club runners, especially in the UK. So the difference between steady running and easy running is basically steady running, there is a place for it. I do think it is beneficial sometimes, but if you're doing that in place, easy running you can recover off of. Steady running is a little harder to recover off of, basically. Yeah. And it's just a little bit quicker, your heart rate's a little bit higher, you're working a little bit harder, and it's just going to take you longer to recover from. So if you've only got one day between hard sessions, say if you've done a hard session on a Tuesday, you're doing a steady run on a Wednesday, and you've got a hard session on a Thursday, that steady run is going to impact your Thursday session. It's going to suppress the pace that you're able to hit on that, which that Thursday session, as we've already discussed, is where you're getting your performance benefits from. Yeah. So just why do it however there is a place for it and i think so going steady on a long run i think is pretty good because i just think your long run should be quicker than your normal runs yeah. um for my own real reasons i think steady running when you have a couple days between sessions is okay or if you're on slightly lower mileage i like i like people to run a fairly moderate amount of mileage i wouldn't say it was high mileage the program that i run but you know if you're only running 30 40 miles a week you can run a little steadier rather than easy or recovery pace yeah just because the the rest that you're taking will naturally kind of make you feel a little bit fresher and it will be easier to run let's say seven minute pace instead of 730 pace well what i was actually going to jump in and say on this instance is i think this is all when you're listening to this it can be kind of quite maybe difficult to understand exactly where all these paces lie but i think as we've said once you get to know your own body i think if you're listening to this and you're feeling maybe slightly confused about, oh, well, I'm not sure exactly how fast I should be going. I know Kieran said we want to touch on this, mm. but I think maybe we can sort of shuffle it along. Do you think it's fair that once you have got enough experience running as what f- what you can hold forever and what is going to burn you out after a mile, like once you sort of know your, you know, know some times, like once you've actually got some numbers, you can really begin to apply those numbers to these specific segments do you, do you kind of see yes. what i'm saying here yeah so like yeah yeah i think it is something that is slightly variable depending on how fit you are yeah but i think it is something you most people the longer you've been running for the more of a general feel you have for for these type of things yeah well i'll tell you what i mean i don't have we have you got anything else on your list or can we sort of move it along yes yeah, so like, i've got a couple other ones that i will talk about so sorry to keep going but i think i've got a a good kind of way that we can personify it with me at least as an example okay no i like that i look forward to hearing it so the next step up from steady running is simply just moderate running and that's what a lot of people kind of call a dead zone because it's not quite tempo and you're not really quite recovering off of it but i've personally seen quite a lot of good things come out of myself moderate running so i would describe the pace of my faster long runs as being moderate pace so 540 for me isn't really in any kind of threshold like i'm not really getting any threshold training from that and i'm certainly not recovering at 540 pace but if i do a long run at that pace i just get a lot from it and i don't quite know how to put it in terms that would kind of make sense to you guys but it just helps and especially in college as well we would do on a thursday so we would do hard sessions on a tuesday and a friday but a thursday would be a moderate pace run which usually i would do two runs on a thursday i'd do an eight and a six miler with the eight being my moderate my moderate pace run and that would usually come out somewhere between 530 and 550 kind of pace which again it's not tempo but it's not recovery but for whatever reason 
it just made me feel good and it just helped me boost my aerobic kind of system a little bit and mm. it just helped uh so that's moderate running I would say moderate running is something that should be prescribed by a coach. I wouldn't just go out and do a moderate run just for the sake of it. Um, if you're in the middle of a training week, again, I think it works better if you have a two-day buffer between sessions. Doing a moderate run on a Wednesday when you have sessions on Tuesday, Thursday isn't really going to work out for you. Like Most likely, it's going to catch up with you eventually. Similar type of situation, doing a moderate run on a Monday when you have a long run on Sunday and session on tuesday you're better off doing the long run a bit quicker than hammering your monday easy run moderate running there it is okay the last one is just progression running sam i know you're familiar with progression running because i've set you some of them before and i don't know how much you really enjoyed them but Gen- generally i do uh, mm. generally i do enjoy them um but the last one you set me was i think you set me the goal of going sub six on the last couple of miles or was still on the last mile <laughs> and that that stung that one that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. but you did it though. Yeah. So uh-huh. it was all right. But um, basically the point of the progression run for me, I think is it is almost like a replacement for a session or it's a session when you're not quite ready for a session. But I've grouped it in with easy running here because you can still recover whilst doing a progression run and whilst actually still getting down to pretty fast pace. I mean, if you're doing a progression, a shorter progression run, you can progress long runs. That's a whole different type of thing. I'm talking here about, you know, 10 miles and less. Yeah. The six to 10 mile kind of range, you know, 30 to 70 minutes. Generally, at the end of these progression runs, you can get down to about half marathon type of pace. I personally have finished progression runs at like 4.45. I think I finished a 10 mile progression run about a year or so ago. Wow. Um. And that was the reason that I did that is because I had raced two days earlier and I wasn't quite ready for a session yet, but I also wanted to get in something a little quicker. And you actually, I think you actually get quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of training benefits from doing these progression runs because you're touching on those paces, but you're actually running quite comfortably at what is a deceptively fast pace. I think also it's it's again I, I've talked a lot about um, understanding your body with these pods i think or with this pod so far is that it's really good because you get to understand it's all about where you start on a progression run and it's knowing mm. kind of it, it's weighing up like the distance you're you have in mind to run and kind of what you you know and where you start because obviously if you've got 10 miles to run you're not going to go and start at like a moderate running pace you need to start it super easy you start so nice and easy yeah and you so just build and build and build and build and build and honestly I've never run easier sub five miles than I have in a progression run setting. Big time. Whether it's the first mile, if it's the first mile of a race or tempo or no matter what, the easiest fast miles for me usually come at the end of progression runs. Well, I mean, we've seen it just in some of the runs that I've done personally, but certainly in a lot of the runs that you and I, I know have done together. Mm. Um, we went on that one round Ipswich, I think it was before we went up to the uh, um, 16th floor to record Top of Your Game podcast. We did uh, that yeah. one and we finished... And we were belting it by then. We were going... Oh, I say belting it. For me, it was belting it. I we think were, we were... Yeah, we, we were, were going like 16 six something, yeah. We were like 620, something like yeah. that. And I remember you saying that to me because I, I didn't... I don't think I had my watch at that point. And we were going along. And um, and I remember thinking like, geez, really? Like, it felt... And it felt fine. Yeah. Um, like we were, yeah, we were moving. And obviously, we were putting some effort in. But, but we, we were put, still having a conversation, which... I mean, 620 for you is... What, what's your 10K... Pace. Ten, it's just a ten shade K, under six, isn't it? It's about six. It's about six on the dot. Yeah. So that's. I mean, twenty seconds. That's probably about your. It was probably about your half marathon pace. 
yeah. day. Which, I mean, for me, that's sub five minute miles. I can, I can imagine because I've done it on progression runs, but it's hard to think. Okay, start this run. Just go out and run a five minute mile and have a conversation during it. Yeah, that to me sounds like oh man, like that's crazy, but it's doable and you, like it just it, sometimes it just happens and you do have to be feeling good like not every progression run is going to be like that some days no. you'll get out the run at e- you'll get out the door at easy pace and you'll think oh man like there's no way i'm ever going to run quicker and you'll slog your way through getting down to i don't know maybe you'll only just be touching tempo or threshold pace by the end and it will feel like you're flat out but when you hit a progression run right you really you feel it it feels good it it does feel good and the other thing as well is that i find it's a i find progression runs especially are an enormous mental builder because what like mm. you said dead zone running the phrase you use that is that point where you can just and what whatever variant of easy running long run whatever is it's that kind of you know you're just going and you stop whenever you get to your front door or you stop whenever you watch beeps or whatever you do mm. and you are just in that you know it doesn't take so much mental energy but the thing that i think is crucial certainly in my experience with progression running is that knowledge of like right got to speed it up again got to speed it up again you're always thinking yeah you're You've, always thinking about accelerating you're, you're accelerating just a tiny bit constantly yeah and how pro- progression runs feel to me yeah and it's and it's and it's knowing like and obviously having a watch and things like that makes it much easier but it's mm. that it's that anticipation of when you're going to speed it up and how much you're going to speed it up, but not speeding up too much because you know you've got to do you've it again. You've got to keep in some in reserve. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, so I think from a you know, I'm sure it has massive physical benefits which you could bleat on about for ages. But mm. certainly for me, I think the key benefit in my experience is mental is mentally for those because, like I say, you just have to understand and trust your own knowledge and your in what your body can do. So I'd say that is a big thing for anybody who maybe questions themselves oh, i'm not sure that i can run that time of that mile set yourself a mile set yourself an opportunity to go out but run that quick mile in the like the, in the latter half of that run yeah, yeah, and you'll progr- and you'll surprise yourself, yourself into it yeah definitely surprise surprise yourself at how quick you can go because i know lining up on a thing and going right i'm going to do a one mile time trial that's extremely daunting and the opportunity for something to go wrong in that one mile it feels much greater yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. and yeah you're fresh and you can go out and you can belt it but sometimes you, if you go out and you're using a couple of miles or two or three miles or however long you need as a warm-up by the time you come to like right we're in that last mile we're going to really crank it now you're already moving you've got a rolling start you know you're like yeah you know, and you can really really get <laughs> I going mean, you're never going to run your fastest ever mile in a progression run that's obviously always going to come in a one mile race type situation or a time trial but you'll be yeah you will be surprised at how quickly you can go and more importantly how go how traveling at that pace feels i think the feel yeah. is the most important thing big time there. big time but one more quick thing and then we'll actually make ourselves useful and say how fast we should be going on these runs because that i think is probably what people have tuned in for they probably want to know what i think like and what we think you should actually be doing on easy run days i it's the part of the conversation i think in the group chat that kind of blew up a little bit as well but just want to disclaim there is no such thing as dead zone pace in my philosophy like in my personal opinion on running coaching training whatever I just don't think dead pace exists. I think effort and pace works on a spectrum and I think there's place, there's room in a training program for all of it. I think if you're not covering a full spectrum of paces all the way from plodding right up to all out sprinting in your training program, you're doing it wrong basically. And that's just, that's my personal opinion. But okay, we'll move on. So the big burning question throughout all of this has been how hard and how fast should we be doing our easy runs? big burning question and that's probably the thing that got the most discussion on 
our group chat. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll start off with um, heart rate zones. Heart rate zones were a huge topic. I don't know how much you paid to this, paid attention to this part of the discussion. I feel like not a lot. I I personally have never. I, I understand a bit of a bit of the kind of physiology physiological side of things about heart rate zones and max heart rate and things like that but i've never i've only ever really exercised to feel yeah i've never tried to sustain certain heart rates or tried to get it down or i've never you know i remember going to the doctor once and they they take your pulse and um is it was it brady cardio when you're that's when it's when you're under, 60, under yeah. 60 and i uh, hit 59 i was like yeah <laughs> but other than that Jeez, if like, you'd have gone during marathon training it would have been significantly lower than that probably well. yeah but probably, um yeah 40s <laughs> but yeah yeah i've not I, yeah i i personally have never paid loads of attention to it but if people find it valuable it's obviously valuable enough that athletes train with it people wear obviously like um sensors in their wrist and you get ones that go around you get the belts that go around your yeah. chest well, as well so. whilst, <laughs> whilst i can just jump in and Basically, wrist-based heart rate is useless. Don't use it as your measure of heart rate. Get a strap. Okay, carry on. There you go. I was just going to say, obviously, <laughs> people use it as a as a measure for some for some value in their training. So I'd be interested to know your perspective on on it. Right. So go go go. Heart rate training can be really good. It can be hugely beneficial for multiple different facets of training like it can be really useful for easy running it can be really useful for tempo it can even be useful for interval sessions but and this is a huge but this is a big american size super size but <laughs> you you have to know your max heart rate heart rate training is useless unless you know your max heart rate and generally you can go to a lab and you can get it tested you can do a vo2 max test you'd probably want to have some submax testing done as well i just really i don't think you should be working to heart rate based off of a generalized scale 220 minus your age you can forget that that's useless information i mean if i was doing if i were doing 220 minus my age i'd have died a, a <laughs> lot of times like i would have been clinically dead during most track sessions that i do um, okay interesting i've never heard that before i've always understood that well, as the general rule no i mean my heart rate will hit in excess of 200 frequently during yeah. if i'm doing a hard track session so you're like what four beats per minute over over death well yeah more than that i mean I'm, <laughs> I, I can't remember how old i am <laughs> i'm 20 so my i'm 26 so my max heart rate should be 194 yeah but it's not i mean i'll i if i overextend myself in a tempo i can probably get up to that i haven't but i could like i'll, I'll be in the 180s during kind of the closing stages of a very hard uh, tempo type effort right. or like an in and out in and out case something like that um but yeah heart rate training is great if you know your zones if you know what your max heart rate is if you've had lactate testing done on the treadmill generally they'll take your heart rate as well and they'll use your lactate and your heart rate in tandem to figure out what kind of pace you should be running but again those paces should be taken a is a spectrum and b with a pinch of salt because they're done in such a controlled condition yeah the pace that you can run at a certain heart rate on a treadmill in the lab isn't going to be the same pace that you can run on the hills and in the trails especially if you're running on kind of windy or rocky trails and it's bad underfoot stuff like that the pace is obviously going to be slower in the real world than it is in the lab and i think that's a mistake quite a lot of people do end up making is they'll run they'll take those paces rather than the heart rates that they were training at and they'll train a little too fast. But yeah, the general rule for easy running, 
is you want to be you know, I can't even remember the pay, the percentages that you need to be. I, I'm pretty sure it's like 60 to 70% of your max heart rate um, for for your easy runs. But yeah, either way, I just, you need to, the most important thing is you need to know your heart rates. Interesting. You need, to ha- you need to have your testing done. I won't prescribe heart rate training to someone who hasn't, who I haven't seen test results for. Okay, yeah. For them. If they report their heart rate regularly, on easy runs and things like that, then I'll maybe say don't go above this heart rate on this easy run. Okay, yeah. Or on these runs, you want to be staying in about this kind of heart rate range. But that's only really after I've got kind of regular data, regular feedback from them yeah. of what their heart rates have been during paced runs that are actually where we want them to, where I want them to be. It strikes me as the sort of thing, as you explained there, that it's only you can only really make the benefits or make the training really specific to that person if they've had quite specific it's a huge, analytics yeah it's up, a hugely individualized thing like I you think need to you need to kind of yeah the the amount that you get out is is compared to what you put in and you need to put in quite a lot to actually get something properly out of it yeah too, basically and I mean. you can figure out your own zones just by kind of case studying yourself a little bit and regularly monitoring your heart rate um but again i just I think it's best just to get the testing yeah. done. Ain't, ain't nobody see. got time for that. Yeah, no. yeah. And I think that it's an inferior way of judging pace. Is the the overall kind of overarching theme is it's an inferior way of judging pace. Your heart rate is going to be massively elevated if you're running uphill, for example. Yeah. Things like temperature affect it. There's there's just a lot of there's a thing called I think it's cardiac drift is the name for it, and it's right. basically when it's hot, your heart rate increases as you kind of you, your effort level doesn't increase but your heart rate does is basically right, okay. the um the meat and potatoes of it oh, i've been joined by a little dog here been joined by another dog <laughs> fluffy boy very nice cool um yeah heart rate training yeah uh other people stick to training zones which are generally governed by heart rate it's a little thing that you get on your garmin where you upload it to garmin connect and there's a little kind of graphy type thing at the bottom and it tells you what percentage you've done each zone at okay ignore those zones at all cost good i've been doing exactly that (laughs) good you've been doing exactly the right thing yeah ignore (laughs) those zones they're stupid they're pointless i just don't believe people say oh i'm doing zone zone two easy run training don't put yourself in a box for your training just run free enjoy your easy runs if you've got a heart rate range to stick in stick in that range but that range is likely not going to fit into the garmin zones because i'm pretty sure they use 220 minus your age to calculate yeah, which is understandable your, yeah. which calculates your max heart rate which governs your zones because those zones are a percentage of a max heart rate calculated by the garmin yeah, yeah. so i'll generally notice that older runners for example are the ones that really throw this off yeah that really kind of highlight how I don't know what to... <laughs> just rubbish, basically. Just how rubbish that formula is. Well, certainly, if, you, so, if you've got somebody who's fitter, but they're older, mm. it doesn't mean they're not capable of achieving certain things. So you shouldn't necessarily base their training on... Yeah, well, let's take let's take the example... Data, yeah. yeah. Well, let's take the example of a 50-year-old, right? So a 50-year-old's maximum heart rate, in theory, should be 170 BPM. Yeah. And that's... It just, that's just not realistic. Yeah. <laughs> like, they can obviously get above 170 BPM. Um, anyway, so training zones, ignore them. 
What you can kind of use is you can kind of use a Borg scale RPE, which is rate of perceived exertion. I don't think that's a great thing to do on easy runs either, uh, but some people like to use it. You basically, it's from 6 to 20 to kind of 20 being absolute maximum exertion, 6 being, yeah, this is fairly easy. Obviously, yeah. zero would just be, you'd be asleep. Yeah. Um, and you want to, I, I don't actually even know because I don't use it off the top of my head what easy running would be on that scale. I would imagine probably about a 12. Right. You want to be okay. at. Um, with 20 obviously being yeah like as hard as you can possibly run you probably want to be between 10 and 12 for easy running I might be completely wrong on that I don't know because I don't use it but that's one thing you can use my favorite way is probably the simplest way of checking if you're running at an appropriate pace and by the way the type of easy running because we've just specified so many different types of easy running that we're talking about here with the how far how hard slash how fast should you be running is the easy easy running so not recovery not steady not progression not moderate not long runs not warm up and warm downs this is your kind of bog standard monday wednesday type of easy runs monday wednesday friday um so the talk test is my favorite way of this is one kind of and this is the one that i think i used for you this is the one that i use with a lot of my athletes and it's obviously helpful if you can have somebody else to run with which in recent times has been more difficult but I don't see the problem with just saying a couple of words out loud if you're by yourself in the middle of the trails or yeah. out on the roads and no one's listening. Just if you can talk and you can hold a conversation at the pace you're running, the likelihood is you're about in the right place. That's a fantastic averaging scale. It really is. Yeah. And I think it's I think people get way too caught up in technology these days. Big and I time, think I yeah. I think I do have kind of a more old school kind of approach to training in that I think it's just it gets overcomplicated basically <laughs> like, well, you don't be. there are certain physiological things that you do need to know and you do need to pay attention to and read into but a lot of the stuff that people concern themselves with is for want of a better word bollocks <laughs> like if you can talk and easy running is more fun when you're with someone as well I think you yeah. we've yeah, run together a handful of times and you've run with other people before and stuff as well like you and Francis had a, a good little training situation when he was training for the half and you were training for the marathon yeah, definitely. Uh, over the winter and it just makes those runs go by a bit quicker and it's just a bit nicer and it also again provides a really good platform for this test to make sure that you check yourself and you're not running too fast yeah and the other thing as well is that especially especially if there's no if, if you don't have like a specific goal pace or something like that if, if you are enjoy, if you're enjoying like a time on fee or you're focusing more on like a distance or something you know if, if you're not necessarily going out with like a really really rigid structured like tempo or this or that mm. when you're running with somebody it's really nice to just be able to keep an eye on the watch and say right can we just slow it down a touch or look i didn't feel comfortable even just ignore the watch completely but but you know what i mean it's being able to run through feel and just go like sorry mate can we just bring it back for a little bit before we crank it up before the hill or something you know like the the amount of times where it's been really nice just to know that you've got somebody by your side and you can slow down maybe in the middle of a run because it gives you that sort of mid-run recovery that you need before the next mile exactly and yeah there'll be there'll be strava heroes out there that think what if i've started off at a certain pace there's no way i can slow down in the middle of the run (laughs) if you're thinking about what your strava map is going to look like or your pace chart on strava in the middle of a run chances are you're probably not fulfilling the purpose of that run no like 
who cares what people on Strava think? Like, you know, you probably are going to get more kudos for doing a run at 6.30 versus 7.30 pace, but you're going to have a better race <laughs> but, probably if you do your runs at 7.30 yeah. pace. I was, was going to say, you can have a better rest of your day if you go home and you're like, oh, I've still got enough energy left to exist for the rest yeah, of the exactly. day. Whereas and if you just go back and fall over, you're like, <laughs> oh, God. Exactly. And if you run a minute faster over 5K because you're recovering between sessions, you're going to get a lot of kudos on that 5K run and a lot of new followers. So <laughs> Strava heroes, just think of it like that. There you go. Um, other than, I mean, the last point that I've got written down is literally just run to feel like, and that can be applied so broadly to all of your running that you're doing. If you have a tempo run up until the last like five, six, maybe 10 years at mat, at most, no one ran their tempos or their intervals or anything outside of the track, having really any clue how fast they were going. Yeah. And I think that was probably a better way to do it. Yeah. You have your own, you have your loops that you do that you kind of roughly know. Yeah. But you know like the old 10 mile loop that you used to do with your club probably wasn't 10 miles in the 60s and 70s people or 70s and 80s people were saying oh yeah we go for the 10 miler with the club we'd end up running like 55 minutes on a monday evening and it was probably like 9.5 miles maybe maybe only just shade over nine yeah but that's fine because they were, they were just running to how they to felt. Feel, it, yeah. didn't, it didn't really matter what time they ran for that loop. Race cars don't have speedos in them for exactly that reason. Yeah, you got to just, <laughs> yeah, just feel it out. Yeah. If you're doing a fart leg, for example, the whole point of a fart leg is to just play around with different speeds. It's not to hit specific paces on specific kind of intervals during that fart leg. And I will set people pace sometimes just as like kind of a rough guide. And I think because a lot of people like to have it, but at the same time, I'll never kind of read too much into it when it's reported back. I'll think, yeah. okay, that's a good session. But unless it's on a track, for me personally, the GPS watch can only do so much. Yeah. And running to feel, I'd much rather someone say, I've done this, let's just use a fart leg session. Let's say five sets of three minute, two minute, one minute off of a minute constantly all the way through. I'd much rather someone report back saying, I've done the session. I felt good, I felt fast, I pushed it really hard and I think I got moving quite nicely. Then them come back and say, I hit XXXXX. These these were my splits and have no report of how they felt. Yeah, that's a big thing. And, and do you know what I was going to say? Is, is What I said earlier is how can I personify it? Is I think by the time you sort of have done a few runs, you sort of get to know roughly what paces work for you. So for you, you've talked about like 540s and things like that. And if I were to talk about me as like a, you know, the, the less experienced runner of this, I would say like an average run for me at the moment in my average fitness is probably somewhere between like seven minute pace, maybe give or take 10 seconds either side of that. Mm-hmm. If I was going harder and faster, like anything like 650 and underneath it like you know, what we sort of refer to as marathon pace and then my easy runs if i'm going around the eight minute pace for like my recovery runs and things like that eight minutes and slower is something i found that i'm perfectly comfortable yeah with, perfectly that, and happy that's with. that's probably about right for for yeah for where you're at i mean when i when i start running properly again at the moment i'm kind of doing walk jog and stuff but i'm going to be running significantly slower than i was when i was training kind of during during lockdown or during the early phases of lockdown when I was in quite good shape and I was running yeah. 80, 85 miles a week. I, was, I wasn't I was doubling, so I was running a little quicker than I normally would. Normally, I wouldn't be much under seven-minute pace average for, for your bog-standard easy run. Yeah. There'd be some runs in there that were 730s. There'd be some runs in there that were 530s. But the most important thing, I think, really, is listening to your body, 
not being afraid to be at either end of that spectrum of big, easy big running. Point, big yeah. point. Don't yeah, be yeah. afraid to be at either end of that spectrum. Don't be afraid to explore the whole spectrum during a run as well. Yeah. If you feel good or if you don't feel good, there's no reason why you can't. Like, there's no reason. I think everyone who's listening has probably had it where you go out for a run, you feel amazing. And then somewhere in the middle, something just isn't quite, or something just clicks and you're like, oh man, like, actually, I'm knackered. Yeah, big time. This is, yeah, this, it's fine. And if you're at your top end of your kind of easy running range, let's say, let's use myself as an example. Say I was running sub sixes and suddenly I'm like, oh man, like, I feel absolutely terrible. Why not just slow it back down to 640, 650? Yeah, you know, and I... Back towards and, the, the kind of slower range. And you know what? To speak from experience, I've had plenty of times where... I've done that and I've been really conscious of it but then maybe I've finished the run and I've looked back on it I've gone actually that was nothing it was just like a it was just a just a moment like and sometimes yeah. sometimes you put you finish the run you go you know but at least you know you, I always then think well at least I stopped it early before it became a huge problem yeah well again or, sometimes you power through yeah and then you come to your session the next day and you're like oh man why did yeah. I power through like I feel terrible yeah or like I said so you, you yeah that you know that's that's one way of doing it is you, you either stop early enough you power through and it's a problem um, or sometimes you actually you just sort of roll with it and you go actually I feel okay like I just had a blip and slowing down actually benefited me in any run and then you end up speeding back up a little bit yeah, as well exactly. so, so, so well, even we're getting some nasty claps of thunder we've got to wrap this up because <laughs> well, I, I think say. we're about to get wet <laughs> yeah. last thing I'll say on easy running is just the general rule is your 5k PB pace plus about two minutes good I prefer to I prefer it being two and a half to three minutes yeah because um, you can't but, go too easy exactly you can't go too easy <laughs> But general rule for, and again, that's your your bog standard, your Monday, Wednesday type easy runs. 5K pace plus about two minutes. So what did you run? You ran about 18.20, something like that for 5K. Yeah, yeah. Which is about 5.45 kind of pace. So yeah, Sam's standard, his bog standard easy pace, he was going to go out for a run would be about 7.45 to 8.45, which sounds, is exactly, you said eight minute pace me, yeah. was, about right, was about right. And that's yeah, yeah. pretty much in the middle of that range. So for me, my 5k pace is about i think it's about 425 something like that right so 625 that is the quicker end of my kind of easy runs yeah. like i'd only hit that in the last two or three miles of a 10 yeah. miler but 725 you know that's about right and yeah. about my average is about seven minute pace or 655 or so which is again slap bang in the middle of that two to three minute range so see i like that if You've... you want to use if you want to use something like the 220 minus your age thing to calculate heart rate, if you want to use a general formula to figure out the pace of your easy runs, 5K pace plus two to three minutes is is probably the best one that I've ever heard of. But so, you're best off using the talk test. Yeah, I was going to say, do that and talk. So you've saved your golden nuggets right to the end there. So exactly. I think that's everything we want to say. So thank you so much for joining us again. I personally think, even though it's been outside, it's starting to get a bit chilly now, which is a thing. Like Whenever we record outside, it inevitably gets cold. <laughs> I don't think we've ever done anything outside in good weather. Project 5 was awful. Most of the training runs that we did for the marathon were pretty much awful, which is why we have no footage of them. <laughs> but anyway, let's round it off a little bit, because like I said, I don't want to get rained on. But um, it's been great to have you back, Kieran. Thank yeah, you. man, it's been great to be here in the uh, great outdoors. And we will have to, I know we said this over the last couple, but we will have to make this a more regular fixture now. I hope we can. Uh, we're not promising anything, though. We're not promising, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, round it off, say goodbye. All right, guys, thanks for listening. As always stay safe don't eat bats run fast all of that good stuff see you later